Let's talk some recruiting. In just a few moments, I'm going to be joined by one of the best recruiting insiders on the Notre Dame beat to go over the fallout from Brandon Hillman's departure, what the new assistants like Gino Gadulli and Joe Rudolph are like on the recruiting trail, plus the latest on five stars CJ Carr and Justin Scott. All that and more coming up next on this edition of Locked on Irish. You are Locked on Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Tuesday, March 14th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. The show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, give it a five-star rating, review, and of course, subscribe. My name is Tyler Rojak and I am the host. I've been a Notre Dame fan for my entire life. I graduated from the university in 2018 and I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in LA. And in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Notre Dame recruiting insider Mike Singer from Blue and Gold and On3. Mike's been covering recruiting for the past 10 years for Rivals and On3 and he's been on the Notre Dame beat since May of 2019. Mike and I talked about Brandon Hillman, where Notre Dame goes from here as they try to shore up the back end of their defense. And then we get into what the new coaches on the staff bring to the table on the recruiting trail. And Mike had some really strong opinions uh, about the new quarterbacks coach, Gino Gadulli, in comparison to his predecessor, Tommy Reese. You're going to want to stick around for that. Uh, one quick thing I want to mention about recruiting, um, at least as it pertains to this show, I obviously follow it. And I fully recognize how important recruiting is to winning a national championship in college football. But as for the coverage of it, I'm not a person who keeps track of every single offer Notre Dame puts out there. And I'm not researching every prospect on a daily basis. So when we talk about recruiting on this show, a lot of times it's going to be about commitments and and the big picture stuff, you know, like the stuff that's really newsworthy. Um, I understand that some of you absolutely love recruiting coverage and know all the ins and outs of it, and that's great. Um, There's certainly a market for that, but on this show, we'll probably do recruiting check-ins periodically and react to the big stories on that front when necessary, like the Brandon Hillman situation, for example. I just feel like I needed to mention that uh, so you have an understanding of how it's going to be covered on this show because every outlet kind of does it differently because I think the way people consume it is just, uh, it's just different on a person-to-person basis. So, all right, now we got that out of the way, let's bring on someone who knows is way more about recruiting than I do. All right, Mike Singer from Blue and Golden on three joins us now. It's been a long time since we've done this, man. How have you been? Good. I'm doing good, Tyler. It's good to be on the, the Locked on Irish podcast with you, my friend. I know. I'm glad to have you over here. And uh, let's start with the big news from Sunday. Four-star Brandon Hillman announced that he asked for and was granted his release from his national letter of intent with Notre Dame. What could you tell us about that situation? He got his release from his letter of intent from Notre Dame. <laughs> and Thank you. You know, he's out on, you know, the prowl and, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of new offers as he's been posting on social media. Um, this is what his recruitment would have been if he was discovered earlier. You know, I mean, like he didn't pick up his first offer right before until his senior season of high school. I think it was June of 2022 or something. North Folk State offered and then he kind of blew up late. You know, Notre Dame offered, he takes his official commit soon afterwards. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, um, I mean, I'm sure all your people listening to this or watching this will have their opinions on why he's, you know, is not able to go to Notre Dame. And, um, I think we can kind of just leave it at that, but yeah, it's, um, it's not ideal news for Notre Dame. I mean, he was a player who the staff was very, very excited about, 
Um, one of the high ranked guys in the class, you know, even though when Notre Dame offered, I'm sure people were like, why the heck are we offering this unranked kid with no good offers? But now you know why. And he, he's a darn good player. And you know, Notre Dame's going to you know miss having him moving forward because yeah, they had big plans for him. Were you surprised by this news or were there any rumblings beforehand that his status with Notre Dame might be uncertain? I was surprised. Yeah. Did, did not, did not see that one coming. All right. So it sounds like, and I don't want to speculate too much. It sounds like he was in a situation where he was towing the line between getting in and not getting in academically, not speaking specifically to Hillman. Is that sort of a situation that Notre Dame finds itself in often with recruits? Like are a lot of guys sort of <clears throat> like, do they have to take it to the very end where guys are really close to getting admitted and, you know, they have to wait until, I mean, what it's March now, right? Yeah, but if if it's if the kid's toe in the line and does get in, that story is not getting out. You know, like who's re- I mean, who's reporting on these? I mean, I, I'm not reporting on. Like, I don't really like to talk about these kids' academics. I mean, like it's you know, un, you know, unless it's uh, you know they're a 4.0 student and that's a big deal to them, and you know that that's good. That's good to talk about. But if it's on the other side of things, Tyler, I mean, like. Dude, I don't know. I'm I'm in the business where my job is to report on 16, 17, 18 year old kids. It's already kind of a a weird thing. And so the last thing I want to do is talk about their, you know, oh, so and so's girlfriend wants to go, like wants him to go here. I'm like, bro, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So academics, you know, yeah, like I said, if it's if it's close and it gets in, no one's talking about it. But if it's close and he doesn't get in, it's a big story. Everyone wants to talk about it. I'm sure that it happens more on the side of they get in than they don't. But again, this is something that happened. We're talking about it. It's a big story. But I'm sure it outweighs the times the players do get in when they're when it's you know the toe in the line, like you said. I mean, Tyler, I can't remember the last time that this has happened for Notre Dame. I don't, I don't know if like a player signed with Notre Dame then didn't get in because of academics since I started covering Notre Dame, at least I, there's not, there's not one that I can think of. Yeah. It's certainly been a while and it's really been a long time since Notre Dame had any big issue like this academically with a player, but there was a stretch there <clears throat> from like 2013 to 2016 before you were on the beat where it felt like, Every few months, there was this big news story. I mean, the first one, the big one, obviously, Everett Golson, the yeah. starting quarterback, he got kicked out of school. Alizé Mack got suspended for a semester because of academics. Greg Bryant, same deal. Jerry and Grant on the basketball team, but still academics for the reason that he got suspended. So it's been a while, but this this does happen. But yeah. moving off, the, yeah, that's it's part of, part of the deal. Notre Dame needed to sign multiple safeties in the class of 24 before the Hillman news, and now that position is even more of a priority than before. Who are some prospects in the class of 24 that Notre Dame is looking at to fill this need? Yeah, I mean, so Hillman, I, I think most of us thought he'd end up as a safety. I know he wanted to give quarterback a try. I personally think his best position would probably been Rover, but, he, you know, starting out safety would have been likely for him. You know, there's definitely a few guys. Uh, I think Marquise Gallegos is probably the one who's, you know, near the top of the board that Notre Dame's got a decent shot with. And then after him, um, Kennedy Urlacher, Brian Urlacher's son, you know, he's a top safety target for Notre Dame, as is Davis Andrews from American Fork, Utah. Both guys do seem to be, you know, these hard-hitting safety types that people think, ah, they're just going to end up a linebacker. Notre Dame's recruiting both as a safety for now. 
Um, and then we'll kind of see what, you know, what it looks like moving forward. But, you know, there, there's other guys that they've offered, but I would say those three for now are kind of like the top names to watch at safety for 2024. Do you think that they're looking to get three to maybe four guys now, or do you think they'll probably try to just get two? I It's, it's interesting. You know, whenever I talk to sources, they kind of will just lump in corners and safeties together because so many are versatile and can play both. I was told, and I've reported such at Blue and Gold, that the number of total is going to be about six defensive backs, which is a lot. Um, but uh, and I was told about two is probably what Notre Dame takes at safety. Um, but with the Hillman news, and if they really were planning them at safety, you know, you could certainly see that number going up to three. What about in the class of 2022? Um, is there any chance that a guy like Micah Bell could move to safety? I know he's a traditional corner, same with Gray, but I mean, kind of desperate times here. Yeah, you're talking about this past class, 2023. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Bell, is, Bell checked in at All-American Bowl pretty small. Uh, he was you know, one of the smaller guys out there. and he, I mean, he's also standing next to all these All-Americans. So, um, you know, the – yeah, it's like if you know if I started to get fit and was working out, and then you know I go to a bodybuilding competition, I might not look as good. That, that's not a. I don't know. Perfect, I wouldn't sell yourself short there, Mike. <laughs> it's not a perfect apples to apples scenario. Obviously, Bill's an all American himself, and I'm not a bodybuilder. But you guys get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I mean, Christian Gray's got the twitchiness and ranginess to play safety. Um, I think he could play really anywhere in the defensive backfield. I remember seeing him seven on seven and he was working out as a middle linebacker. Like obviously that's just seven on seven, but still like you could just kind of see the overall football smarts from him. Um, so yeah, he could definitely play it. Um, I mean, there's multiple corners on Notre Dame's team that I think could move over to safety, um, like a Ryan Barnes, um, Clarence Lewis, you know, I think all those guys kind of have the range to to move out there. But with the Don Schuler and Ben Minnick in the 23 class, you do have a couple of you know four-star safeties who Notre Dame um, is pretty excited about. Um, and as far as, you know, the immediate help, Thomas Harper is a big addition for Notre Dame in the offseason. I was told that he was brought in to replace both Tariq Bracey and Brandon Joseph in a way like he can play both nickel and safety for Notre Dame. We'll be right back with Mike in a moment, but first, I want to talk about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes made. For my pick tonight, I'm going to do a same-game parlay. Haven't done one of those yet on here, uh, so let's give it a shot. I'll take the Lakers' money line over the Pelicans, plus let's throw in the over on Anthony Davis's points and block shots. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger pat with the same game parlay. That's what I just did. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's move off Hillman and talk about the new assistants on the staff. Jared Parker is obviously not a new assistant. He's been on the staff for over a year now as the tight ends coach, but he's new to the role of offensive coordinator. What can you tell us about the job he's done on the recruiting trail up to this point? Yeah, I remember uh, when he was first hired, I talked to someone who was familiar with him as a recruiter and called him a war daddy. 
Yeah, that name's that's been floating around. I had never heard that phrase uh, ever prior to this. No. I've heard it like ten times yeah. since he got. And I there. haven't heard it since, and I uh, don't really know what it means, but I like it. I like it, Tyler. Well, War Daddy, yeah. hell yeah, man. He he gets after it, you know. I, I, he when the coaches are out on the recruiting trail, you know, he'd be stopping in, you know, seeing the top tight ends. But otherwise, the dude stopping in like Chattanooga, Tennessee, Nashville, down to Raleigh, Durham, and you know, uh, Charlotte and South Carolina. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Tennessee and um, in the Carolinas, but not like the most, you know, glamorous, um, you know, recruiting areas. And the guy just is a grinder, though. Like he's he's getting after it on the recruiting trail. Um, in the interim period after Reese left, he was getting involved. And in, before Gino Gadulli was um, named quarterbacks coach, he was, you know, working for Notre Dame, uh, recruiting 2025 quarterbacks, and the ball's getting rolling there for for the Irish pretty well. Um, yeah, he's just a, a strong recruiter, solid guy, good Southern, um, good Southern dude. Love his accent. Love love a coach who says shucks in a press conference. Um, yeah, good recruiter. I I think that uh, you know the Parker Gadouli combo will be an upgrade for Notre Dame on the trail. Okay, I want to get to that in a second, but you you raised an interesting point there when you mentioned like after Tommy Reese had left and how Jared Parker kind of came in and started talking to some of the recruits. How did Marcus Freeman handle the fallout with recruits once the news broke about Reese leaving? Because not only was he trying to find a new offensive coordinator, he also had to basically fan the flames and tell all the recruits who were committed or were considering Notre Dame that, that things were going to be okay. How did Freeman handle that? Yeah, I mean, the commits, and, and Tyler, I know we'll talk about CJ Carr, so I won't touch on that now, but... You know, at running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line, those commits were just like, hey, my, I think the thought was like, my position coach is here, and I'm bought into Marcus Freeman's vision, so I'm good. Like, I mean, the, the commits were like, yeah, good. Even Peter Jones' offensive line recruit uh, or commit for the Irish, he lost his offensive coordinator and O-line coach in the span of a week. He seems to still be going strong with the Irish as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of just business as usual, really. I mean – and it's not like Notre Dame was really in like Reese was not doing much for 2025 quarterback rooting recruiting. I don't know what the heck he had been doing on the recruiting trail, to be honest with you in the past couple months when, you know, I'm doing all these coaches on the ro- road reports for, you know, mid December. And then, um, you know, f- for a couple weeks of January, he was just seemed to be going to Chicago I- I- every single day. I mean, I, you just hanging out in your stomping grounds. Like I didn't really know what he was doing. Um, so I, I just think that, wait, are you talking about before the ball game in December? Both. Like, okay. So before and after, um, is it possible that he was entertaining potential grad transfer quarterbacks that might not he, have been in the transfer portal he already? Definitely, he definitely was seeing some of those guys in December. Cause I remember when that was going around all the coaches and people are like, where's Reese. And then they're like, yeah, and so yeah, about, everyone's all like, about oh, the, the transfer quarterback. He was doing one of two things. He was interviewing for other jobs, or he was like that was at the time. So everyone's saying he's interviewing for other jobs, or he's going to see some of these transfer portal quarterbacks, which Notre Dame wanted to keep off the radar. I know Hudson Card, hundred percent sure that that's a player that he went and saw. He did not go and see Sam Hartman because Hartman was not in the transfer portal at that point. Uh, but there were some others. So yeah, he was doing that in December. But there was also like. A majority of his time in January, I'm like, 
he's just in Chicago all the time. And I get that was his recruiting area, but Notre Dame's not recruiting Chicago that hard. So I just think that the Parker Gadouli combo is going to be more of a Marcus Freeman recruiting style than Reese. I think Reese might've been more of a Brian Kelly, you know, more of the Brian Kelly influence. And I think Gadouli and Parker will be more of the Marcus Freeman influence, if that makes sense. Yeah, so what about Gadouli? Like, what's his style like that makes him more suited to to Freeman's recruiting approach? You know, in terms of style, style like, we're going to – that's going to take some time, right? I mean, I'm just kind of going based off what I've heard before than anything we've seen yet. But when Marcus Freeman is going to his, you know, you know little coaching tree, right, these guys he's worked with, that's that tells me what I need to know, like, he, Marcus Freeman trusts these guys and recruiting is such a big part of what he's looking for an assistant coach. So if he hires him, you got to think they're a pretty good recruiter. Now I know the jury is still going to be out for these guys and, you know, how Washington, the defensive line coach, Notre Dame fans are, you know, uh, at least the min- vocal minority or maybe yeah, it's a, I know what you mean. <laughs> a majority. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're not too fired up about all Washington and he's from that coaching tree. Um, you know, of guys that Freeman's worked with at Cincinnati, but still for the most part, you know, these are guys Freeman's worked with and he trusts. Okay. So one guy that Freeman hasn't worked a ton with is Joe Rudolph. And I have no doubt that Rudolph will be more aggressive on the recruiting trail compared to Harry Heastand. But I'm more curious to see if the types of players that Rudolph is looking for are much different than he stand, because I think that would have more to do with their like philosophy of what makes a great offensive lineman. So what are the early impressions of Rudolph so far since he got the Notre Dame job? Yeah, I I know he's been keeping in contact with some offensive line recruits and it's going to be a big spring for him for when these guys actually get up to campus. Um, And yeah, does the offensive line board expand because it expanded after he stand left and before Rudolph was hired, which was interesting we're talking about the day after he stand retires, they're already offering offensive line coaches. Then people might ask, well, was Joe Rudolph already secretly hired? And they were just throwing out those. No, no. Yeah. Like you don't, there was a guy named Matt Luke who got yeah. entertained before. Yeah. That. Right. So yeah, they're looking at Matt Luke before Rudolph. So yeah, I was like, were those Matt Luke offer, you know, like we can't no, no. So, um, yeah, in terms of him as a recruiter, just seems like a good, solid dude. I mean, all these guys are just on paper. When I talk to people, everyone's just raving about these guys. Like Rudolph is uh, he's consistent, but not overbearing is what one uh, parent of a, a former target of his at Wisconsin told me. Yeah, I mean, Joe Rudolph, I think is a. I wrote this in an article breaking down him as a recruiter, blue and gold, I think a week or two ago. He's kind of, I think he's got the good of both here, he's standing and Jeff Quinn. He's got the energy of a recruiter that Quinn has, but also the experience in building an offensive line tradition like Rudolph did at Wisconsin. That's similar to Harry. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good outlook. Yeah, that's actually good to hear. And for all the criticism aimed at Quinn as like a developer of offensive linemen, the guy could recruit. Blake Fisher, Joe Wall. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. Who who recruited him? So that's good to hear. All right. We, I got a few more questions here uh, as we wrap this up, the ones I have to ask you. Uh, CJ Carr, I know fans ask about him constantly, and that's probably going to continue through December, honestly. I know he said that Reese leaving won't change anything, and he's 100% confident in Marcus Freeman. That's great and all. He spoke recently. I feel like until he gets a strong declaration saying, no, I'm coming to Notre Dame, no doubt – 
fans are going to be left wondering. So what's the latest on his status with Notre Dame? Yeah, I'll I'll tell your audience what I've told mine of blue and gold. Look, he's committed to Notre Dame. He doesn't have to do anything. He can delete his social media tomorrow, never talk to any media again, and just sign on National Sign Day with Notre Dame. He like he owes us absolutely nothing. He doesn't agree. have to totally do agree. anything. But when he does talk and he does post on social media, and if it's not one uh, hey, I'm 1000 percent with Notre Dame after these coaching hires, like I'm good, then it's one thousand percent free to speculate or be a little bit concerned about the status of his commitment. I post an article at blueandgold.com from an interview with on three Sam Spiegelman with Carr on set. That interview was from Saturday. I post the article Sunday morning right. or afternoon. And it, the, the, it, it sounded fine, but it was just kind of neutral to me. It wasn't like, oh, he's leaving or, oh, he's 100% good. It's kind of like, I, I don't really know what to take from it. So do I think that CJ is going to be fine and stick with Notre Dame? Yes, I do. Do I think it's fair to be a little bit concerned? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I understand it from his perspective where he's like, look, they hired these guys. He he probably knows Parker a little bit, but he doesn't know Caduli at all. I like Caduli offered him when he was at Cincinnati. I know he visited the Bearcats too, but yeah, I get it from his point of view. When the Reese news broke, my understanding is that his phone just went nuts. Not only do you have – Which makes sense. Know, totally makes sense. You got the media hitting you up, but more than the media – Every college coach in America is still looking for a 2024 quarterback sitting car up. So I think he just kind of took a step back from it. He just wants to play seven on seven with his buddies and just kind of focus on that. So, yeah, he like I said, he's got every right to do whatever the heck he wants to do. Um, but so do I. And being like, yeah. how solid is he? You know, like, what does that mean moving forward? We'll just have to see Tyler. Yeah, and I think there's plenty of time for Parker and Gadouli to develop a strong relationship so that he doesn't waver with his commitment. All right, another one. Uh, Justin Scott, five-star defensive tackle from nearby Chicago. There was a point in January where everything was pointing to him committing at the end of the month. He had a date set and everything, and then Georgia offered. (laughs) And then that commitment date went out the window, and it's been pretty quiet on that front ever since. Um, Is Notre Dame even still in the running for Scott anymore? Definitely in the running. Definitely in the running. And I'm going to be honest with you, Tyler. Sometimes my hunches on things are correct. Sometimes they're very incorrect. My hunch on Scott was 1,000% on point. I'm even going to give myself a pat on the back. This is not it, it was not a good hunch for Notre Dame fans. But I've seen it happen so many times in my decade now. Last week was my marked my decade of covering college football recruiting. Did you get when a plaque? Player, what's that, Tyler? Did you get a plaque? <laughs> No, something. It's in the not mail. yet. I'll see if my my wife will will make me one. <laughs> um, but see, like when a player says, "Hey, I'm going to commit at this point," and then they rush it randomly to like in two weeks. Now I'm committing. Oftentimes, that's like, all right, he's already he knows where he's going. Like he's already locked in. But then he did it. Like I was told that he didn't. And even though all these predictions were going in for him to land at Notre Dame. He had not given that good old quote, good old quote unquote silent commitment. So I'm thinking to myself, he rushed his commitment date so he can announce on his birthday, but doesn't already have it doesn't know where he's going. I think he's gonna push this back. It's just yeah. exactly what he did. He was maybe gonna visit Notre Dame multiple times and didn't in January. I was like, this is just not gonna happen. It didn't happen. Georgia offers that didn't 
help Notre Dame's chances either. But I still think even if Georgia did enough, I still think you would have pushed this back. Okay. So, and now it looks like he's going to take an OV to Georgia in April. I'd probably peg the Bulldogs as the leader right now. And uh, that will be a fun day if that happens. Now, to answer your first, your other question, is Notre Dame in the running? Absolutely. And if you talk to some people on Notre Dame, you know, Irish still think that they're in the lead for Scott. But I I don't see it working out for Notre Dame. Yeah, that's understandable. I, I, I guess I could understand why a five-star defensive tackle would want to go to Georgia. They've had a decent recent track or track record with uh, defensive linemen over there. Um, all right, so last one on the way out. Is there any five-star on the table for Notre Dame in this class outside of the ones we just mentioned, Carr and Scott? Hmm. Five-star on the table. Um, I mean, I think Ryan Wingo, the receiver from St. Louis, he's, it just depends on what website you're looking at. I mean, he's close to a five-star, um, I guess car, even a five-star anymore. I don't know. It depends on They're, they're like both fringe. So yeah, they're fringe. for the sake yeah, of this so question, Wingo, though, we're going to include Wingo in the five-star. Yeah. Jaden Rodell is a tight end, um, who's on the same seven on seven teams car. You would like to think the car's recruiting him to Notre Dame. Uh, he's a he's a French five star. I think on three has him as the number one tight end nationally. So I'd put him in there. Gerby Lambert is a French five star guy from the Boston area, offensive tackle. You know Notre Dame is in the mix for him. That might be it. That might be it. All right. Well, that's all I got. Tell the people where they can find you. At Mike T Singer. That's my Twitter, blueandgold.com. We always have good promos going on there. You're definitely going to head to the website for uh, spring ball coverage. Um, yeah, listen to our podcast and whatnot. In addition to Tyler Wojak, <laughs> because Tyler um, always does a fantastic job. And back to his days at the old place, I would like to say that I am the most recurring guest. Yeah, you still have that title, and now yes. you're on Locked On Irish. Your debut. Can we add that to the plaque, Tyler? Yes. Can we, we can. add most I'm- recurring guests <laughs> to the plaque? I'll make sure that gets included. Well, it's always great having you on, man. Thanks so much for the time, and uh, let's not wait so long before we do this again. All right. Sounds good, my friend. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Locked On Irish. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. On the way out, remember to, su- to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't already. And give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On Irish, on Instagram at Locked On Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.